I hate that I'm doing another hey everybody, but hey everybody, it's Nolan again. Just before we start the show, I wanted to just quickly touch upon a couple of things. Uh, First and foremost, the audio is a little messed up. I actually got a new setup. I got a new Mac on the weekend, and so kind of mixing everything all together and getting all my settings correct was a little messed up on this end. So my audio does come through a little fuzzy, and it's all Zoom audio basically the entire way through. So I do apologize for the lower quality than we usually have, but... Next week, it will be fixed, and it'll be all good to go. The second thing I did want to touch on, and we didn't really get into it in the show this week, was the interview Rick Westhead did with uh, John Doe 2, well, sorry, John Doe 2's mother, John Doe 2 being the second victim of Brad Aldrich from the fallout of the Chicago Blackhawks case involving Kyle Beach. If you haven't watched the interview, I, I do recommend watching it. It's just... Once again, it's heartbreaking, it's tough to watch, but it's the things that we need to have brought to light. And once again, these teams need to be held accountable for their actions. The response by the Chicago Blackhawks, as well as the NHL, and the just atrocious response by Gary Bettman and Bill Daly regarding this situation and you know, not wanting to provide the help for the victim and quite frankly it's just elevated even more by the lack of action by the Chicago Blackhawks and doing their due diligence and making sure that this was actually a you know part of their fault is it's it's just it's so gross and I can't believe we're still having this discussion but we are and uh, Justice will come, and the time will come for people like this, uh, for both the organization, I mean, just like it came for Joel Quenville, just like it came for Stan Bowman, the time will come for everybody, so I just wanted to mention that beforehand, and let you know that we are thinking about it, and, you know, we, uh, John Doe too, as well as Kyle Beach, both both have our support, so I hope you all enjoy the show. Thanks. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to uh, 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 the ninth the, the the ninth episode of this season of One for One. Uh, I'm your host, Nolan Jim, and joined as always by my co-host, Miles Fuchs. Miles, uh, recording on Monday again. It's a nice. It's a nice Monday. Uh, it started snowing here. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, conversely, it is it snowed yesterday here, and today it was pretty nice. So there is a slushy little mess outside that is just um, great for making everybody's socks kind of damp. Oh, and that's and that's the worst. That's the worst that's feeling. The worst. But I got a massive W today. Um, I left my Jeep on the street. And while I was at work, um, the sun, here comes the sun, melted my driveway. So I didn't have to shovel today. Mother, mother nature is your, is your, uh, is your groundskeeper. Hey, yes, that is what the kids are calling chess, not checkers making moves. Uh, Nolan, big weekend for you. What was going on? Uh, I, ha- it was actually my dad's birthday this weekend. Uh, so happy birthday, Richard. yeah, yeah. Shout out Richard. He turned, uh, he turned the big five one this weekend. So, um, honestly kept it pretty low key, uh, watched a, 
a lot of hockey this weekend, um, like a, a, an, an obnoxious amount, and then uh, close that up with some football yesterday as well. So um, needless to say, kept it pretty busy, um, ate out a lot as well, um, ate some uh, – it, it ate. It, I mean, I I ate from across from across almost every region. I mean, I started off with some Italian on Wednesday night, uh, and by Italian I mean pizza. And then uh, Thursday, what did we do Thursday? I think I just had some leftover pizza. And then Friday, um, had a had a had a good old fashioned trip to the Mandarin Chinese food. <laughs> and then uh, the day after that, uh, we got some. Or no, yesterday we got some. Um, some food from like a, from like a barbecue joint. And I guess like they put like a, like put a lot of emphasis onto all the different portions of America where like they have barbecue. So that was quite good. So had a, had a nice little uh, chicken rib combo last night. Must be nice guys eating like a King. Um, you know what else is nice? Nolan? What's that? A big week of Oilers hockey coming up. Oh, segue. Nice. Let's go. <laughs> do you want to, do you think we should just get right into it? Because last week was exciting, Nolan, for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I'll give the folks at home a run through here, what we're going to be talking about today. And then I will let you take it away. If that works for you. That's, that's, that's more than okay with me. So we've got four games that we're going to be talking about. Um, one of the benefits of recording on a Monday is that when there's a Sunday game, you're able to talk about it. And that game against the Blues was uh, wild, uh, wild, wild west. So we're going to be talking about that. Starting things off with the game against the Detroit Red Wings, followed by the big game against the Big Bad Bruins, the Buffalo Sabres game, and then the aforementioned Blues. We'll do a little bit of Oilers prospect talk, just a couple guys that we want to highlight, some guys doing some good things. And then we have a host of NHL things to talk about. Some good, some bad, and some just fun to chat about. So I'm really excited for episode nine of season two, Nolan. And with that out of the way, whoopsie daisy. First game against the Red Wings. Oh. We don't like to see that. Um, it's, I mean, if there, if there's something you can say about this week is that uh, it was, uh, and, and honestly, probably the, the, the best way to describe the whole week was a roller coaster of emotion because that's exactly what it was. Um, coming off of a huge win against the New York Rangers, the Oilers followed that up with a uh, disgusting turnout in Stuart Skinner's first start of the season. Um, and uh, yeah, they, uh, completely uh left them on the dry uh i mean after the first period i think there were like 17 shots on net uh poor guy i just it's it's once again another game and we're gonna have a couple of these it just the oilers didn't start on time as classic oilers it seems to be this season not starting on time just seems to be their mo yeah, and I mean, I hate to say a toe-to-so, but fucking a toe-to-so called another uh, one-two week correctly, was wrong about the games they were going to lose, but right about the uh, overall outcome of the week. So feeling nice about that. And then the little bonus Blues game. But um, yeah, Stuart Skinner played a very nice game for the Edmonton Oilers. I was very uh, happy for him. But as you've mentioned, um, I would say, in my opinion, the first... 37 minutes of Oilers hockey in that game, 38 minutes if we're if we're really uh, pulling hairs here, was piss poor, to say oh, the least. Horrendous. 
and they definitely got beaten up for that. Um, what what did I call him here? I think I thought it was funny. Long Namaskov scored two really nice goals. Um, you called him a bit of a suitcase. What's his real name? Uh, Vladislav Nemesnikov. Yeah, that's a fucking mouthful. Is it Vladislav um, or Vladimir? That's gonna drive me nuts. I think it might be Vladimir. Hold on. Way, <laughs> uh, super <laughs> super Russian. Good hands, scored two nice goals. Um, Nolan called him a suitcase when I was talking about him. Certainly is. He's been around the league, a couple different teams. I think the Red Wings are his fourth team. Um, but it looks like he's finding a little bit of a home there and and tucked into really nice ones. So that's cool. Um, but Stuart Skinner's first start of the season, and the Oilers absolutely fucked him. Finished with a .921 uh, save percentage and a 35 uh, save performance a lot of timely pad saves in that game i'm gonna call Stuart skinner the king of the toe save because he was absolutely out there um, standing on his head making a few of them where you know if he was didn't have the mental fortitude that i think he had or that he showed um, that game could have easily gotten away and been and been a seven goal performance the one thing i do want to say nolan is that that third goal where he kind of got stick lifted and then uh, larkin just kind of tucked it if that was miko koskinen who let that goal in holy fuck with Oilers fans be having a shit show of, of emotion. So I'm glad that people were kind of able to be like, oh, he's a young guy. You know, we got to let him get away with one every now and again. Yeah. But if the shoe is on the other foot and that's Koskin and like it, the world is over. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it, it's tough. Cause that's kind of why, that's kind of why I named this, I named this whole thing whoopsie daisy. Cause it really was like a whoopsie daisy moment of the game. It's like, you never want to be on the you never want to be on on the side of that because I feel like that's happened like it's happened for the other team against the Oilers a few times before and they've been able to take advantage of that. But yeah, you feel for the guy, but I mean it's it's shit's gonna happen, right? But it's they were like they were getting their chances in the third, and it just makes me feel so much worse for Stuart Skinner because he deserves to have a win. Like in both of these games, he's been pretty like pretty good in both of them so i just certainly good enough to win yeah absolutely yeah and it and it also gives me a lot of hope for the future in between the pipes and edmonton so i just at this point it's it's just it's tough right yeah that's a really good point nolan because last year he played the one game and he got i think it was like an eight five win against the senators and it wasn't like we hyped him up but it wasn't really that particularly strong of a performance some of the goals were pretty weak and that was the small sample size we had for skinner um so then he went back to the ahl played lights out played great um and it's just very, very good to see that he came into the NHL and 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 did look like he can handle it. Um, are the Sabres and Red Wings the creme de la creme of the <laughs> NHL? Not necessarily, but the fact that he's putting up a performance like that is is definitely something that can give guys a little bit of confidence and uh, make make the boys at one for one feel very, very nice. And. The good news about this week, though, Miles, is that even though they may have lost to the two stinky teams of this, they did beat a good team. Actually, they beat two good teams. They beat two good teams. But the the next one, Nolan, the game of TD, wowza. Do you like my title for this one? Yes, so much so (laughs) that I would would like you to read it out because I don't want (laughs) to I don't want to take steal your thunder. Uh, It's just uh, it's in. 
uh, it's got some stars on each side. I feel like there's an actual name for that. <laughs> Asterix. Asterix. Fuck. Whoopsie Daisy. Um, <laughs> uh, whoopsie Daisy. Uh, callback. Uh, I, I, this, this one's known as a JPEG of Cody CC wearing camo in the bush holding a bear. Um, because our boy Cody CC had two points against the Boston Bruins on Thursday in a 5 3 Edmonton win. Um, now what I will say first and foremost is this was my very first game. I actually decided to take notes on my, like on like a notepad miles. I'm going to show you this for the first time and you're going to get a good laugh out of this. Is it going to focus? Holy shit. That's like, (laughs) that's some silence of the lamb shit. Like if if they ever find that, that's the the root cause (laughs) of serial killer. I wanted to be a little bit more prepared. I didn't want to have to go back and like rewatch the highlights like I normally do. So I decided to take some notes like mid game. Uh, and I'm, I, and I'm glad I did because I think I, I want to say probably the, the, the most important story of this game was actually the, the beginning of it because it was the first game the Oilers and Bruins have played each other uh, since uh, February well, since the 2019 20 season. Uh, and it was the first game where they got to play since uh, the passing of Colby cave. Uh, so they had Emily cave there doing the ceremonial puck drop. Once again, uh, they interviewed her during one of the intermissions and just heartbreaking. And uh, just, uh, you still feel for us. I mean, this much time later and, and, and it still doesn't make it any easier. And it, it's nice to see that there are two teams sort of coming together and remembering this player. Cause clearly he meant so much to both clubs. So that was nice to see. Um, just really happy that, uh, that they, that they were able to have that moment, especially for, especially for Emily to be able to have that moment sort of center stage. No doubt. And uh, Principe did a really good job interviewing her. Like I was always, I was just kind of like, you know how Gina is. I was kind of sitting on the edge of my seat. I'm like, God, I hope he doesn't try to make a joke out of anything <laughs> here. And no, he didn't. Like he did a good job about it. Emily's extremely well spoken. She's a great ambassador for the foundation that she set up and and Colby's memory in Edmonton there. And just nice to see all the guys on both teams um, that were able to play with with Colby and um, just like the level of respect that they had for him and, and admiration that they had for him for his memory. So that was really nice. They did. I thought that the uh, Bruins did a very good job and very classy to have her out for a couple of games and and i'm sure they took like she said went around boston went to all of her favorite restaurants a lot of her favorite spots so obviously a tough trip for her but for anybody who's ever had to go through um losing somebody then obviously that that's a big part of the grieving process there as well so we're always big fans of m cave and big fans of of the foundation that they've got going there but emotional an emotional start to the game anyway and uh you could tell that it was a little bit of a of a slower start for everybody but um immediately picked up and the game got pretty interesting pretty quickly 100 percent. um and a couple of minor roster adjustments I, I i did want to mention uh so the third line they uh went with uh, uh kyle turris joining Derek ryan and warren fogel uh and uh yeah it just um, went about as good as you'd expect it. Yeah, because it led to a goal by uh, one of our favorite players in the show, David Pasternak. Holy shit. Guy is a fucking rock star. So I did, I did not know this. I don't know if this is new for this season or if he's done it previously, but the yellow palms on the gloves is some next level rock star shit. That is so fucking cool. He's so, he I is love so it. cool. 
he's he just, does look, he, yeah. He, he, he's cool, but he also looks concerningly similar to the Geico caveman. But the yellow, <laughs> but the yellow palms are incredible. Um, I love, I would, sorry, go on. I would, I would love to see players incorporating that into the, into the look a little bit more um, because some of some of those combinations would be, would be crazy. Like I would, I would like to see some orange palms on the, uh, on the Oilers homes would be, would be nasty. I like the, the one photo I've just, I've loved of him recently is the one of him against Toronto. He was like walking in to play Toronto and he had, he, I think he had like one of those big hats on and then he had like sunglasses on underneath kind of going for like a full blown, like Patrick line, look <laughs> that like line had very recently guy just double seven. Oh, looks so good. Uh, but the Oilers responded in arguably the best fashion possible, which was a, um, a, uh, a uh, Evan Bouchard uh, uh, wrister, uh, which tied the game up at 1-1. Not exactly the Bouch bomb that we love to celebrate, but a Bouch wrister. Um, nonetheless, any Bouch points are um, a, a very, very well received here at the one for one headquarters. Uh, let's fucking go. Followed up by a Zachary Hyman goal where he absolutely danced out of the corner and tucked one backhand. Fuck, man, I'm in love with Zachary Hyman. Is he on pace for like 58 goals? Uh, he is now known in my house as hardworking Hyman. Hardworking Hyman. Uh, yes, he is a hardworking man. Putting an absolute, like, we, we've joked about it before, Nolan, but Matthews and, and Marner were, were holding them back from his full potential. Like, we're seeing what this guy can do, and it's, it's incredible. A couple, couple of fucking anchors in Toronto. He's got he's he's got he's he's got more points than Austin Matthews, but don't tell oh. them that they won't like he's that. Elite. He's elite. Oops. He's, and he's and he's really nice. Just and so he's nice. and in case you're not aware, he's a children's author. Zachary Martin Hyman. Z- Z- Zachary Hyman is a children's author. Um, the the one thing I do want to say though about the and I I know I do this a lot where I say the one thing I do want to say, but is I wish the Oilers played like the Bruins and I know that's kind of like a no shit thing but there was a moment in the game where Charlie Coyle like sprawled out to try and keep the puck out of out of Boston's net and I just I just think it's funny that another team can get that no problem from multiple players up and down their lineup but yet it's like a fucking shocker for us to see that I don't know maybe I'm maybe I'm just maybe I'm just being a whiner but I just I really like the way that that Boston team plays despite the loss for them tonight, but it just seems like all of them kind of buy into this, like to this system. And I just wish we had a little bit more of that. Um, but I mean, the, I wanted to mention too, there, there was actually a, a point in this game where there were three players on the ice. And this is what I call, uh, this is what I call uh, the, uh, the Methuselah group, which was, <laughs> Derek Ryan, Kyle Turris, and Duncan Keith were all on the ice at one time. And I this just is want, the what, I, this is the what group? The Methuselah group. Could I get a definition, please? Uh, yes, of course. Just actually, uh, what are, you can. Uh, I, I will actually tell you right now. Uh, Methuselah definition. Uh, a wine bottle of. Oh no, that's that's not correct. Oh my god, we are <laughs> or, we are already off to. Hold on, I've I've heard this. I've heard this from a friend a fa- oh basically it's uh the oldest pine tree <laughs> growing in 
Eastern California. <laughs> oh, wow. Because Methuselah, to me, sounds like something you get after a weekend of Craven. <laughs> and I think that both are a fair representation. Country of Thunder, of... actually. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Branding's important. Fuck the guy <laughs> with the marketing degree. He's an idiot. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, that's a hell of a word. And thank you for incorporating that into the show. Um, one for one, helping everybody get a little bit better uh, day by day. The Methuselah group. Yeah, that's I like that. That's going to be a thing. Uh, that was followed up by a Leon and then Leon goal again. The second Leon goal was from the D-Boys. And that was uh, is officially what I'm referring to the second pairing as and that was um, Cody Cece's first point on the night and Duncan Keith obviously getting the second one and then Cody Cece scoring the timely fifth goal to make it a 5-3 final for the good guys and by the good guys I mean the visiting team the Edmonton Oilers let's go massive win against the Bruins yeah I I was thoroughly impressed by Cody Cece in this game and quite frankly I've been surprised how much I've actually really enjoyed Cody CC the last little while. Um, I think when it comes to that pairing, the flubs have been more on Duncan Keith than they have been on Cody CC, which you don't like to see from a uh, 38 year old future hall of famer. That's making five and a half million dollars. The Methuselah. Himself. <laughs> he's, 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 he's stroking his long beard and smoking from his uh, smoking from his pipe. Uh, you, you cut Duncan Duncan Keith's leg off, and there's 38 rings. <laughs> um, okay, Miles, I'm gonna do. One, I'm gonna mention one last thing before we uh, move on from the Bruins game. Can we talk about the officiating? You can talk about the officiating, and then I'll make a point. But go ahead, go off. The calls on Connor McDavid had been atrocious. Like next level, next level. I cannot believe that this is happening in our league. Atrocious. Do you, do you know miles uh, where Connor McDavid ranks in the NHL in penalties drawn per game? He it's like criminally low, like 206th or something. Yeah. Like it's, that. it's, it's 248th. Well, I was, I was actually pretty close. You, you were, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually quite impressed by that. Um, and, I, I, I wrote in here twice of the times that Connor McDavid was tripped on a play and there was no call. And I understand the notion of, I, I, I understand the notion of we don't want to have a penalty every 30 seconds in hockey. Um, maybe just, I, 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 I've said this before, but like uh, uh, be better at hockey. I, I don't I don't fucking get it, and I don't understand why the league's best stars are not leading the league in penalties drawn, and especially when it's come to a point where Connor McDavid will be on a breakaway. He'll get mauled down by some guy, and it's the same thing that happened in the playoffs against the Jets, and I am once again not saying that this means that the Oilers are off the hook for not playing well. I'm, I'm not at all, but we need to start calling... Like we need to start calling fucking penalties on our stars in this league. If we really want this like game to be as like exciting and grow, because it just doesn't make sense. It just honestly does not make sense because they either call nothing or they call everything. So what's it going to be? Pick your fucking poison because I'm 
watching this the last, especially the last week. And it's now that it's a, it's a lot more apparent considering Dave Tippett has spoken out about it and Connor and Connor's agent, Jeff Jackson also spoke out about it on Twitter. Like if you just call the rules, players will adapt, but I guess not. I guess we didn't learn from the bullshit of last of last season. When we had that, when we had that video go viral of, um, uh, I can't remember who the ref's name was again, uh, uh, you know, off the top of my head, but like, how, cause you also have to, t- you also have to have to take into account how often do we hear about betting on a broad? Well, maybe not on our broadcast, but in, but on the state's broadcast or how much do we hear about, Oh, it was so important that the NHL got involved in sports betting. Well, sports bettors are not going to like that. Refs just call the game. They're like, you know, just say, Oh, fuck it. I'm going to call this, but I'm not going to call that. I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's fucking dumb. Yeah. Um, we bet like Oilers fans always get shit for bitching about refing and David doesn't get enough penalties called against him, but like take your rose colored glasses off and look at it objectively for a second. And we're not trying to make the NHL like the NBA, but at the same time, like if you are trying to market this product, not even market this product, if you want the game to have legitimacy, it needs to be even across the board. So take your rose-colored glasses off next time you're watching an Oilers game and watch how Connor McDavid gets like mauled, attacked, oh, and, how shit, and how shit doesn't get called. And it's not just Connor McDavid. I'm sure if I watched a lot of, you know, lightning games, I'd see shit like that happening to point or something. But like game breaker ability is going to get stopped in an illegal matter. It's just the way things work in any sport. Um, and it needs to be called consistently. That's yeah. what we're asking for. That's all uh, we're saying. Yeah. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not in the, I'm not in the group of people where it's like, you know, there's like a hold on McDavid, you know, they pull his arm back a little bit. Fine. I, I can understand that if you, if you want to manage the game in that way, but like when it's so blatantly obvious, <laughs> Oh yeah, when he's like got his back turned in the corner and he gets pulled down by the shoulder, like eh, he's got the puck the whole time. Yeah. Um, but they got the win, nonetheless. No That's one. good. Yes. And I think that we should move on to our next episode: wings, but Buffalo flavored. The three-two loss. Starting things off here, Nolan. <laughs> let, let's look at the goaltending matchup that we got because this is a Pierre Maguire wet dream. Tukarski. Oh! <laughs> making the start against the Oilers and Stuart Skinner, you're playing tonight. Also in that, um, for a couple, for well, I like to consider myself a fan of junior hockey. I like what well, I like the CHL. Really? I never would have thought so. Yeah, no, m- most people don't. Um, but getting to see like a stud dub goalie against another stud dub goalie, Tukarski playing a lot of time in Spokane, um, just makes my little heart warm. That makes my heart warm too, Miles. It's it's so cool to see guys come full circle. It's same with um. Oh, I guess actually we're going to talk about it later on, so I won't even bring it up. Um, but a a, a certain somebody on Washington that we'll talk about because it's like it's so cool imagining because like the the thing with me and a lot of like these junior goaltenders is I always think of like NHL 10 and like NHL 11 and these guys having like crazy potential and they always end up being like the best goaltender in the league and it's hilarious because I'm pretty sure Tukarski was one of those guys in like the NHL video games where he always became amazing and now it's like oh he's finally getting time to play now and he's like playing pretty well so it's cool to see 
It is. And uh, a little callback, a couple, I think it was in our divisional um, preview episodes, we were making fun of Tukarski and talking like, oh, that's not what you want. And, <laughs> you know, um, a, a tip of the angler's cap to Dustin Tukarski. Has he played extremely well? I don't know, but he's been playing a lot better than I think people were expecting, certainly than I was expecting. So um, go off, King. It is it is good to see a Team Canada back backstopper from a World Juniors when uh, of, of years ago playing in the NHL and playing well. So do your thing. Do your thing, Dusty. So the Oilers obviously switched up the bottom six again because now we're back to the bottom six not being very good. Well, until the other, until last night. But uh, so Ryan McLeod is actually getting more and more minutes despite the fact that he has no production. I think Dave Tippett is like low key kind of impressed by him because he's giving him, he's now elevating him to the third line rather than playing on the fourth and trying to kind of cut back Derek Ryan's minutes, which I wouldn't like, that's probably not a bad idea because Derek Ryan's a bit of an older guy. And I think ideally you wanted Brian McLeod to take that three C role rather than that four C role. Cause you want Derek Ryan to be playing a hell of a lot less, just makes him more effective on the penalty kill as well. So Ryan McLeod moved up to the third line with Warren Fogle and Brendan Pierlini and drawing in Tyler Benson to play with Derek Ryan and Colton Sevier. Um, one thing I wanted to mention right off the hop with this game is I'm no coach in the NHL. And I wouldn't say that I have very much of like a, a like much of a hockey brain. I really enjoy watching hockey. And I, I think I've learned a lot over time, but this game, watching Buffalo play in their own end, there oh. was so much space that fucking Edmonton had that I cannot believe they didn't take advantage of it. Uh, watching the way that they were like structuring their defense in the, in the defensive zone, I was mind like I thought it was going to be a seven goal game. I completely agree. I completely agree. They were not pressuring them whatsoever. Ryan McLeod looked like freaking Sidney Crosby out there. <laughs> But uh, clearly something was going something was going on because uh, Leon on the power play is wow. But that was really all that the boys in blue could muster, or I guess the boys in white could muster uh, as they fell three to two. Uh, Dylan Cousins scored two goals. Uh, he's confirmed good at hockey. Yeah, that was one of the takeaways that I had from that game. Yeah, one hundred percent. And it, I, I, I actually now that I, I mentioned I mentioned the whole Cody CC thing from before of him being really good. Um, bit of a tough game for Cody CC in the Buffalo game uh, because I think the, it was the first Cousins goal that or no yeah it was the first Cousins goal that was actually at fault of uh, Cody CC flubbing a puck in the offensive zone. Which um, sorry Cody we can't we can't win every game, but. I completely agree with you. I, I, I've been impressed with Dylan Cousins. I, I always was like pretty high on him. And so I was kind of a little, I don't know, I, I guess a little, I guess a little peeved when people were kind of already writing off because writing him off because he's like, he's 20 years old. He's still so young. Like this, this, he's just getting into the NHL. Leave the kid alone. He's going to be good. He's going to be fine. Leave Brittany alone. Leave Dylan alone, please, and thank you. Dylan. Dylan. Um, uh, big LOL getting a loss to Buffalo. Yeah. Um, one of the most frustrating games I've ever watched, to be completely we, honest. We, we talk a lot of shit on this show, and a lot of it is directed towards the Buffalo Sabres. So that uh, 3-2 loss is something that doesn't feel very good. I, I'm now just... 
I'm now just taken back to last season when it was like you would tee me up for a Buffalo rant every fucking third episode. It was like, so easy, man. It was like hey, shooting fish in a barrel. Hey, Nolan, do you have an update on our friends, the Buffalo Sabres? Oh, do I? And here we are dissecting a loss at the hands of the Buffalo-flavored wings. Yeah. Um, but, Nolan, let's continue on to the game from last night against the St. Louis Blues. Um, do you know what song, what hit song, uh, my my title for that game is from Saw you downtown singing the blues. I know the song. Um, I'm I'm actually drawing a blank right now. My mind is mush. It is an instant add to any workout playlist, and that is um, fuck. Am I drawing a blank now too? This is absolutely embarrassing. The one that got away by Katy Perry. Oh, good tune. Good tune. Someone good tune. said you had your tattoo removed. Saw you downtown singing, singing the blues. The blues. Yeah, what a, I mean, this was like, this was one of those games that we kind of put up the, uh, the good teams win this game and, uh, not a very good game for the Oilers <laughs> all, all in all, but, uh, uh, luckily we're able to sneak out with a five, four well, win friend, friend of the show. Uh, Jack Michael said it during the, uh, <laughs> said it during the broadcast and he's like, not often you got a 4-4 game that's considered a goaltending duel, but that's what we got here today. And you know what? The, exactly kind of what it was, um, especially Miko. I just want to give a shout-out to Miko Koskinen. And this is a game where you, it doesn't happen often, but where the analytics nerds can suck it um, because he played significantly better than he what his awesome. stat line showed. Yeah. Um, showing he went 30. 30- 35 for 39 for a 0.897 save percentage which like any night is like oh that's not very good but the the timeliness of the saves and the situations of the saves was huge and similar for for Bennington on the back like on the other side of things um played you know did did the same thing was keeping his team in it so um suck it nerds (laughs) um on a side note, I wanted to mention this about I wanted to mention this about Jack. So I so from the Detroit game when the Oilers pulled Stuart Skinner and they're trying to fire the pucks on net, trying like trying to pull off the win. Like Jack, if you haven't heard Jack in like a final minute of a game, just going off like this guy, the volume he fucking shows with <laughs> in that booth with Louis Depress is insanity he's just like one minute left 60 to play and he's like uh, uh <laughs> wings up three two the oilers net balls and he's just like fucking going nuts and there was a <laughs> so, after the detroit game was over i <laughs> i i tweeted someone please get jack michaels a glass of water <laughs> and, <laughs> and <laughs> He replied, he replied back to me. He was like, and he was like, uh, and he was like, um, he's like, he's like, LOL. Yeah, I feel the same. <laughs> and man, he followed that up on, he followed that up against Buffalo as well. The, the, the Buffalo call was like legendary as well. We love Jack Michael so much. And I just, I, what a, what a, what a perfect, what a perfect person to be calling these games. But yes, going back to the, going back to the blues. Miko, fantastic. Um, going into this game, a big story, Miles, and you, uh, you wrote it down here. Uh, 
Miles actually did uh, Miles actually did a very good chunk of note preparation today. So I I I appreciate them. I appreciate him for have, for having my back on 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 this one. Um, the the big talk was that Connor McDavid has actually never scored an Enterprise Center before, um, and it kind of holds a special place in his heart because it was the location of Connor McDavid's very first game in the NHL. So. 599 points going into this game. If he reaches 600 points, he will become the sixth fastest player in NHL history to reach 600 points. Insanity. (laughs) But, um, and lo and behold, uh, because I think the Blues scored first, didn't they? They did. So it was the one, one, it was the one, one goal evening things up and McDusty scored 600, which Nolan, um, fun fun question here. Don't look at the notes. Um, how many career points does Taylor Hall have? Uh, if, I don't know. Like probably like around... six hundred and three. Oh my god! <laughs> so a guy that got drafted in twenty ten has six hundred and three points. Not just a guy, a league MVP, a good hockey player. I think someone that a, a reasonable fan would say is good at is good at the sport. Um. A player drafted five years after him is three points off the pace at the time of that point. Um, insanity. But Nolan, can we break down the numbers here? There's been a lot of graphics that have been put out. I'm sure all the diehards have seen it, but this is just disgusting to talk He's about. He's a psychopath. Like, we do. We speak in like Nolan always makes like laughs at me and stuff. When he's like, I can't believe the and like and we always speak in absolutes. But he is absolutely out of his fucking mind. <laughs> Zero to 100 points took him 92 games. That's pretty pretty crazy. 100 to 200 took 81. 200 to 300 took 67. Wow, that's not even a season, Miles. <laughs> uh, 300 to 400 took 66. Are you sensing a trend? 400 to 500 took 63 games. And 500 to 600 took 52. Can we mention the best part about this? He's going to hit 700 this season. It doesn't that's that okay so like you know we the, the graphic that we used when he hit 500 was 500 days of summer but it was 500 points of connor and i saw nolan tweet it last night and i was like holy shit like we just used this meme and then yeah, yeah it was 52 games ago yeah and he's I was, gonna i was he... i was drunk in my basement when i posted it the first time and and wow yeah, like wow. and and like I mentioned to you, he's going to hit 700 this season. He's going to he's probably going to hit like 140 points this season. Well, yeah, n- knock on wood. We're knocking on wood for that yeah. one, but if he like this the pace that this guy's going at is is disrespectful. Let's put it this way. Connor McDavid could retire today and he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's not even a question. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I would say like, yeah, that's funny. Haha. But then I just uh, like the Colts fan in me is always like, <laughs> he can't retire young. No, he's not going to, but I'm just, I, like I said, it's just, he's, he's that good. He is that insane at, 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 at a sport. He's like the, um, the discrepancy between him and the second place player at, well, actually just the rest of his peers is so much wider than probably anybody in any sport right now. I think it's probably fair to say. 
It's fair. Like, it is, and I don't know, man, because uh, uh, Leon on the power play, Leon in general, is pretty yummy, and he's having a pretty gross season himself. That's that's very true, yes. So, Which... I don't want to shadow our, our, our German prince, but, yeah, McDavid is doing some stupid shit right now, and so is Leon, and it's very hard to cheer against this team. Because of that, of that reason, I think anybody who's a hockey fan is just watching. Like, what are they going to do tonight? Because it, it is actually getting to that point where you're watching an Oilers game. You're like, between these two players, like something wicked's going to happen, and it's it's must watch TV. And also, I think we need to start talking about Leon as the second best player in the NHL, and not this like, oh, he's he's kind of top five, like he's dominating the league right now. Yeah, anything out of anything outside of top three when you're talking about like the NHL right now, if if it's not McDavid, Leon, and somebody else, you're probably not watching close enough. I completely agree. Uh, so obviously, and then <laughs> Leon scores. <laughs> uh, who's who's seen that before? Uh, just like it was drawn up uh, in the classic Leon Dreisaitl office uh, at the, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's becoming the office now, the right circle. Um, just a, just a, just a yummy player. <laughs> and most importantly, Ryan Eugene Hopkins with his first of the season, even though he's leading the league in assists while well, tied with Connor McDavid with 17 apple bottom jeans. And he got his boots with the fur on this goal. How was that? Yeah, How was that? that? Was that was that good? That, that's exact. You talked about it. Leon drawing it up on the power play. That's exactly how I draw it up in the notes. Drew it up in the notes. Um, yes, the apple bottom jeans from Nuge, and then uh, not to be outdone, Ryan McLeod, the toothless champion, decides to get his first goal of the season, and Nolan, the first of his career. How? How do we think that this is going to, like, what do we think this is going to do to Ryan McLeod's confidence going forward? Um, just like stonks, Nolan, they're going through the roof. <laughs> I think money, now that money he has print, the, Yeah, sorry, go on. Money, money printer go burr. That's what's happening. <laughs> I, 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 man, if this, like, if this kind of gets the monkey off of his chest and he now says to himself, all right, I have a lot of talent. I can score in this league. I'm really damn good. You never know. Maybe we've officially found our third line center. One can hope. One can hope. Um, the the I don't want to say recipe, but the precedent is there. Like we talked about it with uh, yes, a poorly RV who has been very quiet this episode, unfortunately. Um, getting that empty net uh, pass from Leon, and then absolutely just rocking the next couple of games with some big goals. Um, McLeod's getting more minutes. He just scored one. He's, you know, getting counted on and, and getting opportunity. So if he can do something uh, in two pretty favorable matchups coming up, a few, a few games where um, the, the matchups higher up on like the one, two lines is going to be pretty intense, but he can get it off like favorable as a three, four. Um, excited to see what he's going to do in the upcoming week here, but. Definitely, uh, definitely investing in Ryan McLeod as a, as an Oilers fan right now. The thing about yesterday though is that he actually did have a really good game against St. Louis. He was all he over was the place, everywhere. Yeah, he yeah. was absolutely buzzing. His best skating game for sure. And for a player that's six foot four, that seems like kind of a silly thing to say, but he was smooth. 
um, all over the ice. And he played a very good positional game. Like if you play NHL um, and you do the be a pro and like you get a positional grade, uh, probably already would have gotten probably an A plus. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And also just for for that smile, he get a he get a teammate grade of A plus for just smiling on the bench, being a, hey. being, a being a being a being a cute Finnish boy. Um, Leon Dreisaitl with three points, uh, Connor McDavid, McDaddy with two points, Kyle Yamamoto with two, Hyman with two, way to be for the boys. We love to see it from our top six. And yeah, faithful Yamo with the game winning goal, 15 seconds left. I didn't even mention that. Jesus. He's he's faithful Yamo in this episode because he actually did something. So we have to be, we have to be nice to him. Did you see that video uh, that was circulating Oilers Twitter of him going, Woo! <laughs> I sure did. Um, that rules. It was called uh, or titled Short King Stand Up, right? Yeah. 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 Excellent. Speaking of another king, not a short king, a just large king, a dentine daddy, some might even say. Evan Bouchard played tw- just under 24 minutes in that game against St. Louis, which is just so nice to see. Um, oh, keep doing it. He's 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 so good. He's just uh, I think at night about Evan Bouchard (laughs) and what he's going to turn into at like 25 years old. I think at night I thought you were going to be going a different direction. I thought I thought I want I wanted to tee you. I wanted I wanted to get your mind down down that road uh, more than anything. First, I'll paint Uh, the picture for you, Nolan. It's eight thirty. I've had a tough day at work. I light a couple candles, put on some some cold train, have a bath, and just think about Evan Bouchard scoring goals from the point. I need some popcorn. This is a bit ASMR with one for one. Also pretty fucked that you just have a bag of movie theater popcorn on deck there, hey? I went to go see the French Dispatch this weekend, and uh, I went to... um... I went to the Cineplex and uh, got a bag of popcorn. And uh, Taylor loves when I bring popcorn home for when I bring popcorn home. Oh my God. When I bring popcorn home for her after I go see a movie. There you go. Did you know that you can skip the dishes like movie theater popcorn? I did know that. Yes, I did know that. Yeah, Yeah. that's a that's your that's your one for one hack uh, for those who did not know. Um, One more thing about this game, Nolan. The 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 picture became circulating of Ryan McLeod with his first uh, first ever goal puck, and he wasn't smiling. He didn't have the toothless grin. He was smiling, but he didn't have his teeth out. Sad. But do you know what else made me really sad about that picture? The patch. The patch. The number twelve patch on the Oilers player of the game vest for none other than Colby Cave. Uh, That made me feel a couple of things. Yeah. You can tell you you can tell that the team is like this is why I want this group to win so badly is because they have been through a lot together already. I mean, we talk about the Colby Cave passing, we talk about the Joey Moss passing. Um, I mean, it's just it's just Walter Gretzky too. Yeah, Walter Walter Gretzky was a big loss to the to the city and and like with the so much with how much that family means to Edmonton, like. There's been a lot of bad shit that's happened to the Oilers. And for a young core of players, like that is definitely something that affects them. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, but it's, it's really nice to see that this team is carrying on the tradition. And I really hope that um, hopefully 
you never know in spring of 2022, Emily cave is on the ice, holding up the Stanley cup with the Oilers. Would be nice. I hope I just gave you goosebumps. Goosebumplies. Some might even say speaking of goosebumplies, Nolan Xavier Burgo. Holy shit. Holy shit, boys. <laughs> this is the Oilish prospect talk we were talking about. Um, for those who are not following the CHL and specifically the QMJHL, this kid is going full-blown supernova. 15 goals and 15 assists in 30 games in 15 games. Um, Try that one more time. <laughs> 15 goals, 15 assists for 30 points in 15 games. Nailed it. That's a two uh, point per game rate, which is like wild. And uh, again, I will be the first to admit that when we were doing the post draft um, show, we were all not stoked about drafting some little French guy from Schwinnigan. But what has happened or what's happening anyway, is that he seems to be one of those players every year. There's always one or two in the first round that you may not have heard of who come back to junior and just have a dumb year. And that's what he's doing. Um, obviously putting his name forward to be on the Canadian world junior team. And it's, you know, all eyes on the, all eyes on him on a national stage like that. And that's where, you know, for lack of a better term, like legends get cemented uh, going into the NHL. It is kind of a make or break. And I'm not saying that like guys that go to the world juniors and ball out are guaranteed to have a terrific NHL career, but um, there hasn't been an Oilers prospect. That's been like a centerpiece on a Canadian or um, like world junior team in general for, for quite a while. Yeah. Um, It's been probably since like, probably since like Darnell, I would say maybe, because I mean, he was was in the lockout. Yeah. yeah, and 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 even so, like you expect first overall picks to 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 be the centerpiece of that, right? Um, Miles, I wanted to just bring up a quick update on a bunch of these prospects, and then I want I want to make one point, and then we're gonna jump to the next thing you wrote, and you can and you can take that over. But I wanted to just give a quick update, followed by one one quick point. Okay, so Xavier Borgo already mentioned his point totals. In second, so this is provided by uh, Oilers News and Updates uh, at Oilers Access on Twitter. So uh, if you're looking for just like a, a, a really good source of all the information, whether or not it's about trades or about prospects or anything like that, he's really good. He or, he or she or they are really great. Um, so behind Xavier Borgo, Tyler Tulio from the Oshawa Generals with 21 points in 14 games played. Off to a really great start. Metve Petrov, who is in his rookie season playing with the North Bay Battalion, has 11 goals and nine assists for 20 points in 15 games. So, yes, that is 11 goals in 15 games for a guy that's never played in the OHL before. Love to see it, who also, by the way, signed his entry-level contract with the Edmonton Oilers. Wicked. Wicked smart by Kenny Holland. Yes. Um, The pipeline is... We've got some more. Hold on. Carter Savoy with 10, 10 goals, seven assists and 17. Uh, sorry. Oh my God. 10 goals, seven assists for 17 points in 10 games. A goal per game. Uh, Cooper Marodi with five goals, six assists, 11 points in 12 games. Philip Robert with nine assists in 12 games in the AHL. Love to see that. Uh, Philip Engaris uh, in the NCAA, three goals, three assists for six points in 11 games. 
Uh, Maxime Denizikin, 18 points in 20 in 22 games in the VHL. Um, I think it's a Smilly Rasinen uh, playing in the Liga right now, 12, 12 points in 22 games. Patrick Sikinen, eight points in 19 games. Maxime Berezikin, six points in three games played in the MHL. And Jeremiah Lindeval playing in the Alsvenskan League with three points in 14 games played. Now, Miles, I left somebody out. Hmm. Dylan Holloway has still not played. <laughs> the king, the prince, his so, hand's still fucked, eh? This is looking, well, I mean, yes, his hand is still fucked, but that makes me feel really good that all of these prospects are playing this well, and we don't even have arguably our best prospect playing. Yeah, that's uh, definitely a nice feeling because it has been a very long time since since the pipeline was full, and it sounds like it's going to burst, so... We're excited about that. Uh, but Nolan, I wanted to get to my next point, and you did mention it. Philip Broberg, uh, nine assists in 12 games played with the Bakersfield Condors, had the game-winning assist on Saturday. And I know that that's a little bit of a weird thing to say, but it was, if you've seen the video of it, it's like a nice open feed, and then the guy goes in and scores. Yeah. Like It's like it's like in the NBA when you make a lead pass to the basket, and it's just a finger roll into the net. So good stuff there. Uh, but anyone who was severely doubting Philip Roberg, and it's tough because I think Zegers was the pick right after him. Hey, and and you're watching yep. this guy, you're watching this guy in the NHL doing things, scoring cool goals, having nice hair, being a good Greek guy, whatever. But anyone who is severely doubting uh, Philip Roberg, like take a step back. Like this kid is 20 years old, and he got ridden like a fucking mule last year in Sweden. Not to mention as a world junior player. We were talking a couple minutes ago about guys that were getting hyped. Like there was a lot of hype about Broberg out of Sweden, just as, as like the face of the world junior team and, and the face of that program. Like he was in severe pain playing against men all year. Yeah. And then like played through a nasty injury in the world junior tournament. Um, I think, what did they get bronze? Uh, I, th- uh, well, I know that he, I know that he didn't play the rest of the tournament. He, he, he only played, I think it was like the first three games or something like that. But he was he was fucking hurt though, and he was yeah. hurt for the rest of the season, and had to battle through that. So people were comparing his numbers to, uh, in an unfair way. Uh, so get your quit dragging your knuckles and and give this kid a break. He's twenty. He's playing very good in Bakersfield. And one of my hot takes at the beginning of the season about the Oilers, Nolan, was that he wasn't finishing the season in Bakersfield. I don't know if that's going to go a different route, but I am loving what I'm seeing from Philip Broberg. Um. Well, uh, Bob or Sarah Huckabee Stoffer, otherwise known as uh, uh, Bob Stoffer, uh, holy shit, has been has been pumping his tires quite a bit on Twitter. So I would assume that probably means that he is on the short list to be called up if there is an injury. Um, now, this is kind of my issue when it comes to like. I guess trying to compare prospects between different leagues and it's so tough to, and as much as we as fans want to speculate and get really excited. And I know that I just rattled off a bunch of stats that are kind of exciting. Um, like we need to kind of keep things in, in, in perspective a little bit because with a guy like Philip Broberg, his numbers were very com- in Sweden, at least were very comparable to a guy like Oscar Clefbaum, uh, who obviously suffered some pretty major injury troubles. I think they're probably not going to make the same mistake with Broberg as they did with Oscar Clefbaum. With that being said, I think there's something to be said about like how guys play on bigger ice because 
clearly we have seen some guys in Sweden who just are complete and utter monsters in Sweden, like a guy like David Runblad, and come over to the NHL and are just not really all that good. And from everything you hear out of Bakersfield is Philip Broberg is playing steady minutes, playing in all situations. He's on the first unit power play and they're allowing him to take over games, to be the stud on the back end. And we've heard a lot of things about like, you know, some of the guys like Raphael Lavoie, which we didn't really mention him, but he's taken a step back offensively uh, in the AHL. But it seems like the the coaching staff is really focusing on trying to make Philip Broberg the best defenseman possible. And when you go back to that discussion about Trevor Zegris and how he's shaping out right now, I unless Trevor Zegris is like a top line game breaker player, at the end of the day. Teams want top four defensemen over top six forwards any day of the week. There is also something to be said about like the, the, the differences in game as well, in terms of like maturity as a, as a hockey player. And you see it a lot in football, like the, the, the defense together as a unit is always so much more in sync, so much sooner than the offense. Um, like, ah, oh, fuck, I guess I'm, I got to start this over. Hold on. Off, like there's something to be said about the differences between offense and defense in hockey as well, right? Like an offensive player can kind of step into a system, learn things a little bit more differently and, and get creativity from the players that they're playing around with and get some, some chemistry from it. Defense, especially like you were saying, coming from a different ice is a lot less forgiving. Like you can have um, your D partner, not necessarily meshing with you. You guys aren't in sync. You're chasing pucks differently. Boom, you get scored on and it's automatically heightened. Whereas like a forward can kind of step into a power play, diddle around a little bit, get an easy assist or an easy goal, and their stat line looks so much better. So, again, we're comparing two different positions from two different parts of the world um, in two different situations. I'm not totally worried about the Trevor Zegris over Broberg thing just yet, but it is something that obviously is going to be hanging over that guy's head for most of his career. And, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I agree with this- you. At this point, I would love Philip Broberg just to go and r- rip off a Norris just to be like, <laughs> ha ha, <laughs> you guys look silly, especially with all the, especially with all the more cider talk coming out of uh, Detroit right now, because he's off to a nice little start. Well, speaking, speaking of a guy who's off to a nice little start, Nolan, well, why don't we talk about some NHL stuff? Sounds good. Because um, a guy you that. Take- a guy that is not starting, uh, by, well, he, he's, he's, he's starting to pass the all-time greats in goal scoring. If I'll rough. take it. Yeah, 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 it. yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, Alex Ovechkin scored his 742nd goal against the Columbus Blue Jackets this week to pass Brett Hull and move into checks notes. Fourth all time in scoring. What? Um, I, 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 and realistically speaking, he's probably going to move into three by the end of the season. Um, I mean, Ovi is such a monster, man. Like he's, I think he's, I think, I think Yager's up next at number three. And then I think Gordy Howe's second. Um, I mean, I don't know what you say about Alex Ovechkin right now. And like, I, because they always play like they always play like the highlights after after every Oilers game, and I feel like no matter what, if he's not scoring, he still has like an insane play. 
Alex Ovechkin, this is like the bigger story about this, is not only is he passing all these legends, he is like, he's playing his best hockey he's probably played in 10 years. Yeah, he's a man on a mission. And what that Washington team is like, Washington's a very fun team to watch. Uh, we talked about him a number of times on the show, but my buddy Ben, is, as well as uh, Tanner from Moose Jar, both big uh, Caps guys. And like, I've been watching a lot of Caps games with Ben, and I'm like, they're, oh, they're electric, man. Yeah. They're a fun team to watch. Um, did you see? Uh, so it's hard to put into words what Ovechkin's doing, but it's easy to put into words what Brett Hall is doing. Did you see his quote today about strip clubs? I did not see the quote about strip clubs. I would love, I would so, love for you to en- enlighten me. So Brett, I don't, I, I don't have it in front of me, but essentially it was like, yeah, hockey's not fun anymore. These guys can't have any fun back in our day. Like we could get off the ice, go to the strip club, go to the bar and just have some fun. Now there's cameras everywhere. Like these guys can't do what they want to do. Like blah, 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 blah. Okay. Wild that he's saying that <laughs> after the whole, like we went blues from the cup, <laughs> from the cup parade. But like, could you imagine just like banging home 60 goals, like what he was doing in, in those seasons. And then like in between games, like the, the, with the preparation that these athletes need to take now and like the food that they're putting in their body, like Nathan McKinnon hasn't had sugar since 2006 and Brett Hall was drinking 700 beers at the rippers in between games on the road. Like that's fucking crazy. It it's, it's nuts that like, <laughs> like, you can tell that hockey definitely rewards hard work a lot more now than it did back in the day. (laughs) Speaking of rewarding hard work, I'm going to jump here for one second. Phil Kessel played his 950 (laughs) consecutive game uh, to pass, to pass Gary Unger for third longest Ironman streak in NHL history. So yeah, um, the NHL does reward hard work and Phil Kessel is on a 915 consecutive NHL pace. Holy fuck. 915 consecutive game played streak. Can you just absolutely. (laughs) My favorite, my favorite thing about Phil Kessel is when I talk to people about like, about hockey players in general, and they're not very familiar with hockey. And I will always tell them, this man is was one of like in his prime was one of the best players in the NHL and I always show them a photo of Phil Kessel like 2016-17ish where his hair is like completely gone and he's like oh yeah I'm just going to rip 90 points. Like he he's an enigma. He's an He absolute- really is. He is like the um like he should be sent to like the Smithsonian because it's like, look at how, look at what one man can do. And I genuinely hope he's a hall of famer because if man, if he actually gets the longest Ironman streak and like, he was a fucking good player in his prime. I would love to see Phil Kessel in the hall of fame and a two time Stanley cup champion. Three times Stanley cup champion. Does he not have three? No, he's got two, two. Yeah. Uh, re- regardless, like, let's not forget that this guy beat testicular cancer early yeah. in his career as well, too. Like, Phil Kessel has had a, like, a he's had a, he's got an interesting story. And he's a guy that would, like, be fun to sit down and have a conversation with. I think once you kind of, like, take away the the recording devices and stuff like that, if you could just, like, sit down and have a hot dog with Phil Kessel and talk about life, like, that would be pretty incredible. He's so- a cool dude. So he's currently got 910 points in 1137 games. I, I mean, that's so nearly a point per game player. Yeah. 
I mean, about 200 points off, but he's, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, like he's, he's gonna, he's gonna hit 400 goals, but I mean, he's more like, he's always been a goal scorer, but more of like a, you know, if like a, you know, more of like a 30 goal guy. I mean, if Phil Kessel, if he plays another five seasons and he can hit 400 goals, while also having the Ironman streak, Hall of Famer, I I I would say, like really good and, and two-time yeah. Cup champion, and we're excited to see it. We want to see some Philly K uh, K K K stuff doing going well there. Hey, wouldn't that be something? Can, that was my Don Cherry impersonation. One more thing about Phil Kessel, and this is really funny, is his plus minus. So. Plus oh, minus God. sucks, but this is just really funny. His career plus minus is a minus one thirty. Absolutely, it is. He's the he's the blue line bandit, man. Dude, when he when he had ninety two points with the with the Penguins in seventeen eighteen, he was a dash four. <laughs> <laughs> that's some that's some pre defense ov shit. Oh, that's so good. We love Phil Kessel. Okay, back to the NHL. Speaking of um, speaking of guys that are so good, I want to do this one, and then we can talk about the the cool story, the nice story. Um, but Troy Terry of the Anaheim Ducks is having an, uh, a pretty good streak, Nolan. Here, he's going on fourteen games uh, with a point in at least like at least one point in all of those. Playing some pretty good hockey there, an exciting little team to watch. Yeah, it's it's that one right there. <laughs> yeah. I, Troy Terry was a guy that the advanced analytics community has been really big on the last little while. And they've just been waiting for him to break out. And it seems like they're actually finally putting him in a position where he can break out. Um, I mean, if he keeps this up, he could be on like a short list for the American Olympic team. Um, talking to a couple buddies a few days ago and they were like, we're Troy Terry kind of came out of nowhere. And I was like, how dare you besmirch the name of the world Denver Paiu stud? Oh. Yeah. Score. He scored. Did he score like four goals in the world junior shootout? Something like that. Yeah. He was Not really like, good. He was, yeah. He was, a, he had an incredible run for that American team in a game and single-handedly kind of won a big one for them. So yeah, if you're ever, if you're bored, you're wondering, Troy Carey, where did that name come from? Look him up on YouTube and watch his, his four goal or whatever shootout goal performance it was, because this kid is, has been good for a long time. He's got something special. So it's cool to see him succeeding in the NHL. Speaking of guys who have cool junior pedigree, Nolan, we finally got to see, a Canadian folk legend make his debut in the National Hockey League, and he had a great story to go along with it. Zach Fucale. Yeah, this is awesome to see. Um, first career game and first career shutout with the Washington Capitals. Um, uh, like, hugely talked about by Capitals fans from what I could gather, like, on Twitter and at least on the HF ports, uh, <laughs> that like Capitals fans wanted him to stay up with the big club. Cause he obviously has his big win, has his big shutout and gets sent down back to the minors. Like immediately. Yeah. Which is kind of terrible, but Zach Fucali is another one of those guys where you used him on NHL and he was always a freaking superstar. Like he always became really good because he was drafted. Um, he was drafted by the Habs as the, as In the, the second round. 
yeah, as the inevitable successor to Carey Price, obviously Carey Price decided to like, okay, I'm going to win a Vesna and like take you guys to the cup final. So that clearly didn't happen. Um, was drafted in 2013 from a, just a stacked uh, Halifax Mooseheads lineup with uh, which would have included Nathan McKinnon, Nikolai Ehlers, Jonathan Druin, Mackenzie Weger, and Timo Meyer. Gross. Yeah, just just a, a, a stupid organization. Funnily enough, I I I still remember the days when like like Jonathan Drewen was lighting the QMJHL on fire, and people were like, "Is he actually maybe a better player than Nathan McKinnon?" Uh, those were those were some interesting days that okay this is one thing I've wanted to talk about on on the show for a while and maybe we'll do it in the off season but like we're talking about just a, a gross gross QMJHL team Halifax Mooseheads another one that stands out to me I always think about is the Windsor Spitfires of like oh, 2009 yeah. 2010 listen to this Taylor Hall Adam Henrique Ryan Ellis Cam Fowler Austin Watson Richard Ponick Zach Cassian and who was their goalie? Philip Grubauer. And then like, I think the following season, I think they even had Jack Campbell the following season. Something yeah, like, that. like so. Some some of these World Junior team or not World Junior teams. Some of these um, like CHL team rosters, like when you look at like where are they now, are pretty freaking incredible. But speaking of Zach Fucali, going back to the kid, going back to the guy. Uh, Nolan was talking about his his ascension into stardom that was derailed. Uh, he kind of bounced around the AHL and the ECHL. He played briefly in St. Keep, keep track here, Nolan. Get a counter going. St. John, Brampton, Laval, Fort Wayne, Chicago, Orlando, South Carolina, Syracuse, Syracuse and Hershey before he came to his first NHL game. Eight years after he got drafted, and he blanks the Red Wings. That was nine different teams. Nine different teams across two different countries in very different regions, like Orlando, North Carolina, a couple in Quebec, Ontario. Like, like that's hard on a on a person to move around that much. Not not only a person, but like a young goalie who's kind of had the the blankets or the the rug ripped out from underneath of him, uh, having you know thinking that he was going to be a stud and thinking he was going to be getting minutes in Montreal and his home province, blah, 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 blah. Like you got to think about the mental fortitude that this guy has to not only stick with it, but stick with it and, and play at the highest level. So good on you, Zach. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's so like, it's, it's so like, I think I, I, I can't remember who it was. I think honestly it was Mike McKenna's wife talked about it um, back when he was like, back when he was still playing about all the different teams he was being sent, like sent up and down from. And yeah, it takes, it takes a toll on these guys. It takes a toll on them. It takes a toll on their families. And not only that, like teammates as well, kind of notice this stuff because it's like you kind of gel with a guy and then he's gone from the team right away. Like it's, it is, it is, it is, it is really sad to see, but it's, it's awesome that he's finally making a name for himself. And it'd be really cool to see him get called up, get a few games, even if he can't win that starter job. Well, you know what lines you up for a free agency destination in the summer. And maybe this guy finally gets his chance. Would be a happy ending. Um, um Miles, I wanted to mention one more thing about the, uh, about the crazy, like stacked lineups you were talking about. Yes. 0809 London Knights. Oh God, the factory. Um, so they traded for John. They traded for John Tavares. 
So that's already really good. Well, not not good in my books. <laughs> Exceptional, some might even say. Uh, they had Nazem Kadri, John Carlson, Michael Delzato. Uh, I mean, he's an NHL player, Zach Ronaldo. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Akeem Aliou. Oh. Which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. other, that's other the, that's the team. Sorry, this is unfortunate to say after the last player name, but that's like the Nolan. I hate guys on this team. Like, um, cause you, you hate John Carlson. I don't hate John Carlson. Actually, I think over in the demon league. Did I say that? I don't remember saying that. I feel like that's more uh, capitals fans that say that. No, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll go back in the records. Okay. Uh, yeah. Michael Delzato. I absolutely do not like. That's a, that's a that's a stinky player. I obviously don't like Zach Ronald though. And uh, yeah, captain or well, you know, led by one of my least favorite players in the NHL, John Tavares. <laughs> Poor John. So Tavares. the team no one hates. I wasn't I wasn't too far <laughs> off. Um, speaking of things we hate, the Vancouver Canucks. Oh God. <laughs> Having a rough go as of late, um, you really got to start wondering if Travis Green is looking at filing for unemployment because it's got to be coming. Um, Let's look at this thing here. The past eight games have been not very good for them where they have seen a three for 32 success rate on the power play, translates to 9.4%, and a 17 for 31 penalty kill percentage or penalty kill output, which is about a 54.8%, which isn't that bad. Um, but the personnel, like that power play percentage is, is horrendous. Um, and if you watch these games and you look at the personnel choices for like who they're putting out and, the, you know, we talked about having a hockey mind and being able to see things from a coaching perspective, but like they're putting four left shots out with one right shot defenseman and the, or one right shot player and the right shot player that they're putting, like they're not even putting them against the boards for like a strategic one time or anything like that. They're putting them fucking smack dab in front of the net to be a, to be a batter in like, it's, Oh boy. Um, we laugh a lot at the Vancouver Canucks here, but the coach and the GM have to be on the hot seat. They're five, nine and two so far this season. Good for seventh in the Pacific division. One point up on the lowly Seattle Kraken. So first and foremost, this team is not good. They, they are just not, not, not good at all. Um, I want to say there were some uh, there were some comments about Elias Pettersson from Travis Green. I was just trying to I was just trying to find that. Um, that's why you heard my obnoxious typing. But uh, I like what the hell happened to Elias Pettersson? Because it feels like even since last season, there's still something wrong with him. Like I, maybe the guy just doesn't have confidence. Maybe he was a rookie sensation, and that's about it. But this entire team, it's just, I mean, I thought that they were at least a little bit deeper than this. And they'll, they'll probably figure out their way along the way. But I think this team, this team is absolutely tuned Travis Green out for sure. Um, there were all the rumblings in the offseason about whether or not he was going to, whether or not he was going to be fired. And I think your best bet is probably to move on from Travis Green, especially because I feel like I always hear too about him not playing uh, Vasily Podkolzin as well, which a lot of Vancouver Canucks fans have have, have, have wanted to see. Um, he didn't play Cole Lind very often last season, and now he's in Seattle. So 
you know, not taking advantage of the young talent while you have it, but this is clearly a guy that's like coaching for his job at the moment. And I just don't know when it's going to get better. I, I, I really don't. I think this is, it's, it's not looking good for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, at least you got Thatcher. Yeah, that's good. And you got Quinn Hughes signed for six years, but do you really like, is Quinn Hughes really that good? Um, T-H-O-T thoughts and prayers go out to our Vancouver Canucks fans. Um, awful segue, but like some not good stuff also happening in Ottawa. Uh, Ottawa is having to postpone their next three games due to a COVID outbreak. We don't like that at all. Um, some of the players that have been affected by this are Matt Murray, Drake Batherson, Josh Norris, Nikita Zaitsev, and the Italian sub eater, assistant coach, Jack Capuano, all out with the, with the COVID. Yeah. I was actually talking to a buddy of mine about this on the weekend. Uh, shout out Josh. Um, he's, uh, he, he was basically saying to me, he's like, I, it's so tough to be a Senators fan right now because once the team finally starts to get their legs and look like they're actually doing something, it immediately falls apart right away. <laughs> so you feel for them. Um, and yeah, they were, they, they were playing with a pretty light lineup the last little while. So it's not a surprise that they finally got to this point at where they're going to have to, they're, you know, they're going to have to postpone some games. Um, knock on wood. The good news is that this is the first team that this has happened to. And we're well, that a real COVID outbreak has actually happened to. And we're, you know, almost a quarter into the season. So if there's something positive to find out of this, it's, it's at least good to see that, but yeah, we don't, uh, we definitely don't like to see that because postponed hockey is not fun. It's just, it's not fun for anybody involved. And, and hockey aside, man, like we've seen what some of the complications are for, for people that have COVID. Right. And yeah. like, these are at the end of the day, these are people that have to live their lives and, you know, it's bigger than hockey. So hopefully, you know, um, it's just, it's just a light COVID and that their vaccines take care of them and everything like that. And and hopefully the Sens will be back playing hockey right away. Definitely. Definitely. Well, so Miles, pesky, pesky Sens, we support thee. Oh, speaking of which, um, Miles, I, I actually got my tickets to my first hockey game. I'm going to go to in like four years. Where are you going? Who are you seeing? I'm seeing the auto senators. January 31st, taking on your Edmonton Oilers. We're excited for Nolan. We're excited for hockey fans everywhere. Uh, Shout out to uh, Insider Jackson. He is going to a couple of the games this weekend. And I think that that's a good segue, Nolan. Uh, This week's agenda, we've got the Winnipeg Jets Tuesday. We've got the Winnipeg Jets Thursday. And the Chicago Blackhawks on Saturday. Nolan, what are you thinking? We've got we've got uh, my le- one of my least favorite players in the league and one of my least favorite teams in the league. We got this, baby. Uh, do you see these hands? Yes. This is me pushing all my chips, and I'm all in three and zero. I'm right there with you. That's a three and zero week coming up. It's got to be. Um, 
after after the playoffs and all the shit that's been talked about the the Jets and being so much better than the Oilers and this that and the other thing about the Oilers losing getting swept in the first round with what Connor and Leon are doing this season I I think that they're going to take those games personally and I think that there's going to be uh, a chip on their shoulders um, to to carry the analogy so yeah I think that those games against the Jets are going to be pretty fun to watch and are going to see some some pretty some pretty swift stuff and then against the Blackhawks. Um, I think there's going to be a little bit of a statement there as well. So yeah, D1K is D1K is going to be looking to play against, you know, he's never played against them before um, on another team. Right. So it'll be, it'll be cool to see that. Grab your game boy, Mark, because uh, you're going down for the count brother. And also I, I just, it's also, I also just realized too, it's get well, uh, is he still out? Is Caleb Jones, uh, Caleb Jones might still be out, but I think he's still out. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, but, uh the Oilers but, taking on Seth and um, our our pr- former Prince Jujar. If he's oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> so Nolan and I are both counting a three and zero week. It's been a fun week, a tough week, but a sobering week of Oilers hockey, where we've seen some ups, some downs, some nice goals, and some first goals, and a second place and finish. For that, and a second place finish, and for that. Nolan we are excited for what is coming up we sure enjoyed this episode we hope you did too and as always go Oilers go go Oilers go